Thank you for joining us for the broadcast of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, where Daryl Jackson is our pastor. We are located at 2440 Atlas Road in Columbia, South Carolina, and we're so glad you've tuned in. We pray that today's message is truly a blessing to you. If you desire prayer, our ministers are available to pray with you. Give us a call at 803-776-1238 or call us toll free at 1-888-776-1238. Today, Pastor Daryl Jackson concludes the three-part sermon series, I Survived, with the message titled, I Survived a Mistake. Certainly to those of you that are joining us virtually, we understand. Thank God so much for you. There's a word from the Lord as we quickly get into our message. We want to conclude this three-message series simply entitled, I Survived. My heart was made glad yesterday. I told this at 8. I was at a Christmas parade in Kingsville, Gadsden, along with Deacon Al Briggs, and we were in this parade just riding around. It was Saturday morning, and I didn't want to be anywhere in the wind and the cold, but I had to go. And as I was riding down, I was the Grand Marshal in this parade. Four to five people stopped me, and they simply said, I survived. <laughs> Deacon Weaver, someone grabbed my hand. A young lady grabbed my hand, and she says, you don't know me? I've never been to Bible way, but I've got one message for you. I survived a shipwreck. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I survived. The devil is a liar. What the enemy meant for evil. <laughs> uh, Joseph said to his brothers, you intended for it to harm me, but God... In a but God, I survived testimonies in here. Amen. This is the third and the final message. Two passages of Holy Scripture. Psalms 32, verse 1 and 2, NIV translation. And Psalms 51, 10 through 12, New Living Translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. And I, listen, let me preface this by saying... And again, I said this this morning at 8, and they were very accommodating. So I know that you will also. God told me to take my time and, and share this this morning. So I just want to make sure you understand. You get mad at anybody. Pastor took a little longer this morning. God said, take his time. Look at somebody and say, let the man take his time. <laughs> that football game is going to be there. I, I promise you, we'll be out before the four o'clock Dallas Cowboys beat down. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I promise, Carlos, I promise. Hey, before the Cowboys' victory. Okay, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Psalms 32, verse 1 and 2. Bless is the one whose transgressions or forgiven somebody say forgiven yeah. whose sins 
or covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Psalms 51 verses 10, 11, and 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal or a right spirit within me. <laughs> Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I like this verse. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And those of you who love the Lord's word, help me say amen. 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 For the next few moments in this third and final message. The first message was I survived the night. Second message was I survived a shipwreck. This third and final message is one that's real special. I told God I will take my time. I don't necessarily want you running around the walls on this one. I, I need you to hear what God has to say to you and someone else. Look at someone and say, I survived a mistake. If you don't mean it, don't say it. Before you sit down, look at somebody and say, I survived a mistake. Now clap those hands. For the past two messages, we have defined the word survive as to continue to live, to continue to exist despite dangers, hardships, and disappointments. Survive simply means that I've taken the enemy's best shot and I'm still here. I've been through, here's how the iconic songwriter put it, through many dangers, toils, and snares. I've already come. It was grace that brought me thus far. Grace will carry me on. Tell somebody I survived. Some of you have indeed survived the night. You survived the dark time. You survived the period in your life in which it was difficult for you to even get out of the bed. You survived the night, an emotional struggle <laughs> in which it felt as if the enemy had his foot suppressing your joy, holding you down. <laughs> Help me preach and tell somebody I survived the night. And yes, some of you, as we said on last week, survived a shipwreck. We define shipwreck as a catastrophe, as a tragedy that was not cause of your own making. Something happened to you that you had nothing to do with. And it 
almost destroyed your life. Shipwrecked. It wrecked your joy. Wrecked your peace. And things all around you because of some tragedy, some catastrophe, perhaps unexpected death of a loved one. Perhaps you've lost your job. Perhaps you've got a horrible diagnosis uh, that says you were stage three or four, uh, but you kept praising God. <laughs> you kept trusting in the Lord, your God. We heard an incredible testimony a Tuesday from one of our members, and she would get a chance to put it on video. She was diagnosed with cancer, went through it, and the last report was you are now at stage zero. We don't see anything. Somebody help me say, I survived. I sur Any survivors out there? <laughs> and so you, yes, have indeed survived the night. You survived a shipwreck. However, it is said that perhaps one of the hardest things in life to survive is a mistake. And this is why I want to talk to you. It perhaps is easier to survive the night and a shipwreck than to survive a mistake, particularly one of your own making. Can I just keep it real? <laughs> Some of you say, Pastor, I, I, would, I would rather have, have, have stayed in the shipwreck because here, here's the deal. At least when you're in a shipwreck, people kind of feel sorry for you. Folk pray for you. Touch and agree with you. But we're living in a world in which it is difficult for some folk to identify with anybody who make mistakes with their pseudo-holy self. These people who cannot understand or forgive others Perhaps one of the reasons why it is so difficult to survive a mistake is because people are just not as forgiving as they should be. And I would contend that people aren't as forgiving as they used to be. We, we are living in a world where they got a whole lot of people will judge you. A whole lot of people that don't even know you will judge you. <laughs> Another possible reason why it may be difficult to survive a mistake is that we are not as forgiving of ourselves as we should be. Truth be told is that we, we, we struggle with forgiving ourselves. Some of you cannot see yourself on the other side of your mistake. Some of you have already decided that this will take you down and will take you out. Some of you are willing to forgive yourselves for things that others have done, but to forgive yourself for something that you did, you messed up, it's your fault. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I've discovered in my limited time as a pastor uh, that people struggle with self-forgiveness. Why? Because the enemy is in our mind. 
Enemy is trying his best to convince us that we are not worthy. However, we need to remember that the truth is we all have made mistakes. Please help me look at somebody and say you too. And it really doesn't matter how long you have walked with the Lord. It really doesn't matter of how strong we think we are. Doesn't matter of how much Holy Ghost you claim to have. The truth is we all have made mistakes. And some of us are making them even now. If, listen to one scripture says, if God was to judge iniquity, who will stand? Romans 3.23 says, for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everybody with a title and a collar have made a mistake. Everyone with a position of authority in the house of the Lord, they've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all have made mistakes. So perhaps the real question, my brothers and sisters, is not will you make mistakes, but the real question is will you survive your mistakes? That's personal. <laughs> Elder Randall Franklin, that's personal. People have to answer that for themselves. I, I wish I could help you by telling you that you're going to survive your mistakes. But you know for yourself. You've got to declare it for yourself. Job chapter 22, if thou will declare a thing, it shall come to pass. Any survivors? Somebody throw those hands up and say, I'm a survivor. Tell your neighbor you're looking at a survivor. If folk only knew the things you've been through. <laughs> folk only knew situations that God has already brought you out of. Listen, surviving mistakes is not easy. It's not easy because we are dealing a lot with a psychological, spiritual warfare. We're dealing with the enemies telling you, you have never been that good. I told you you would never make it. I told you that you won't last. I told you that you would mess up. And all along, we're hearing that. But sometimes we've got to stand firm and say, it is of the Lord's mercies that I've not been consumed. His compassion faileth not. It is renewed. Every morning, somebody say, great is thy faithfulness. Is there anybody in here know that God is good and, and God, God has brought you out of many things? See, we, that, that's why it's so important to share your testimony with others because sometimes folk look at you and they think, oh, I can't ever achieve what she, I can't ever be like. Andrea, I can't ever be like Lisa. I can't ever be like Thee. But you don't know the struggles they've been through. Uh, when you see folk now, you don't know what they've come through. You don't know the nights that they've cried unto the Lord and say, Father, I'll stretch my hand to Thee, no other help. I know. Anyone in here got a story to back up your praise? Anyone that this, this is a good time, brother musicians, for somebody to just lift those hands and say, Lord, I just want to take the next 20 seconds to tell you that if it had not been for you on my side, 
I would not be here today. When men and women gave up on me, you kept blessing me. You kept making a way out of nowhere. Somebody just find 10 seconds to give God your best praise and say, I survived my own mistake. Yes. Yes. Somebody say, yes, I did. One of the greatest examples of this is found in two chapters in the book of 2 Samuel. And, and, and I told God, Mother Jackson, you, you'd appreciate this because Bishop used to say this all, take your time and tell the story, son. People need to hear the story. Can I take just a few moments not to insult your intelligence, just knowing that all of you are Bible scholars and you know exactly what 2 Samuel 11 and 12 says, but, 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 but just let me refresh your memory. Let, let, let me remind you why these two chapters are two of the most incredible chapters in the Bible, and, and I urge you to go back and read it. David, in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, has now finally become king of the unified Israel. This is so important because the kingdom is not divided, Dr. Mack. You know the story. Judah and Israel won. David is the king of Israel. He has succeeded his mentor who became uh, his antagonist, King Saul. He has succeeded somebody who tried to destroy him. David, now here's what makes this so incredible. You've got to, as you've heard me say over the last couple of weeks, understand the context. David had already defeated Goliath. David has already defeated the enemies of Ziglag. David had conquered the Philistine over and over again. David was so wonderful that the women of the village and the town made up a song that says Saul killed his thousands but David killed his ten thousands David was a bona fide superhero that's who he was David, uh, David was Batman before Batman uh, David was Superman before Sue. David, David was the panther the Israeli panther before there was a black panther that's who David was. But, as the chapters would tell you, that did not exempt him or make him immune from having the enemy still attack him. Y'all help me preach this and tell somebody the devil still wants you. Uh, the holier you are, the greater his desire to knock you down. The more church you come to, the more he wants to come after you. The greater your testimony, the greater your affliction from the enemy will be. Such was the case in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David now king of Israel. The Bible says in that first verse of chapter 11, David should have been somewhere else. Because the Bible says it was the spring of the year. It was a time in which the kings are usually out on the battlefield. In fact, it says it happened in the spring of the year. New King James says, I like the, the New Living Translation. It puts it clearer. It tells us this. It says that it happened during the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war 
David sent Joab and the Israel army to fight the Amorites, to fight his enemies. So here is the first mistake. You should have been somewhere else. If you were doing what you should have been doing, would not have found yourself in this situation. But let me tell the story. Can y'all give me 15 minutes to tell the story? Just wrap this up and put it in some context for you. King of Israel goes on his rooftop. He rules the kingdom. Everyone is subjected to any order, any, anything he says. He sees this beautiful woman with the text says extraordinary, unusual beauty. Her name is Bathsheba. Bathsheba is bathing on her rooftop. Don't blame Bathsheba. She thought all the men, including David, were out on the battlefield. She had no idea David was playing hooky at home. So she goes on the rooftop, takes her bath, minding her own business, while her own husband, a member of the royal army by the name of Uriah, is out there fighting for his nation and fighting for his king. May I tell the story? David sees Bathsheba clothed in all her beauty and <laughs> all of her natural God-given beauty. And David said, who is this woman? I've got to have her. Go get her. And here's what the text says. The text says they bring her to the palace and David sleeps with Bathsheba while her husband Uriah is fighting David's war. Can I preach this? I'm going to show you how jacked up David's life was. Should have been out there with Uriah. Should have been leading the army. Here you are sitting at home. Don't you know that when you slack on your duties, the devil is on his job. Some of you got in trouble because you ended up a place you should not have been. Never should have gone. Nobody made you go to that club. Nobody made you do that. And here it is. David sleeps with Bathsheba. Here's what the text says, verse 11. Bathsheba gets in touch with David. And guess what? I'm pregnant. His life takes a downward turn because now the wife of a member of your royal army, the wife that you slept with, is now pregnant while her husband has been on the battlefield for the past 12 months or six months or whatever. In other words, it ain't his. Can I tell the story on this rainy Sunday morning? <laughs> okay, somebody say, now nah, that's a mistake. <laughs> that's a real mistake, Elder Jeff. <laughs> okay, that's a real mistake. Man, I'm king, and I've impregnated a member of my royal army who happened to live right next door to the palace. What am I going to do? David tries to cover up a mess up. Can I preach this? Y'all got to help me preach this. Look at somebody and say, you can't cover up a mess up. 
because a cover-up of a mess-up is worse than what has ever been before. Can I get a witness? David tries to cover up the mess-up and he calls for Uriah. Brings Uriah to the palace. Man, this is your lucky day. I, I am giving you a leave. I'm giving you a couple of days off. You now can go home and relax and enjoy your family. Knowing what will happen. If you've been on the battlefield for 12 months, when you get home to a wife that looks like Bathsheba, you can put one and one together and you don't have to be a mathematician to figure that out. And so David says, you go home, you be with your wife. But here's what David did not realize. The faithfulness of Uriah. He didn't realize that he had a real soldier. And a real soldier had taken an oath, as long as one of my comrades is on the battlefield, then I cannot re enjoy relaxation because we're in it together. And David says, go home. David wakes up the next morning, and guess where he finds Uriah? In the lobby of the palace with the guards of the palace sleeping on the couch. David said to him, man, what are you doing here? I thought I sent you home. Uriah said, I can't do it as long as my men there. So here's David again. May I tell the story? David says, come eat with me. Come on, come on, dine with me. Here's what the text says. And he gets him drunk. And he gives him wine. And he dines him. And he says, now go home and have a good time. David goes to sleep. Uriah goes right back to the lobby of the palace and sleeps on the couch for another night. He says, I can't do it. I refuse to go home as long as my men are on the battlefield. So here is what is so despicable about David. I've studied this text so many times, Matt. Listen, I've been a student in seminary. I've got a master's in theology. I've read this over and over again, but it wasn't Elder Tashon until last week that I realized something that the letter of execution for Uriah was delivered by Uriah. How low can you get? How low can you get? The Robert Wilson, how low can you get? Here's what the text says. David writes a letter to Joab who's over the army and he seals it and he sends it back by Uriah. Here's what the letter says. Put Uriah up front. Let him lead the charge. And when the enemy attack, ask everybody else to step back so that the enemy can kill Uriah. David sends a letter for the process of the execution of the man whose wife he slept with by the man who refused to participate in the cover-up. Pastor Jackson, why are you taking so much time on this text? Because I want to let you know that this is not a Lifetime movie series. This is not a Hallmark movie, okay? This is life. Uriah goes back. Joab follows David's instructions. They charge the enemy. Everybody else steps back. Uriah is slain in battle. Whew. 
Uriah loses his life. Towards the end of chapter 11, they say they tell David, they tell Bathsheba, Bathsheba mourns, David acts as if he has no remorse. He basically says, we'll get him the next time. This is the man I'm talking about. I want to go somewhere because I'm going to tell you what kind of God. This really isn't about how great David is. This is about how good God is. David shows no remorsefulness. David shows nothing uh, for you. In fact, but he does do something that is noteworthy. He marries Bathsheba. He brings her in. Here's what the text says. And she become one of his wives. One of his wives. So man, if you... <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words. If, if you were that much in need, go to some of your own wives, okay? Come on, you got a bunch of them. But here's the story. Somebody say, tell the story, Pastor Jackson. Chapter 11 becomes chapter 12. Whew. And God holds David accountable. And God confronts David. God sends a prophet by the name of Nathan. And Nathan goes to the royal palace to confront David as recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 12. David gets there and David tells, uh, Nathan tells David a story. And allow me just for a moment because you got to hear the story. Nathan says, King David, may I share a story with you? David said, of course. He said, there were two men that lived in the same town. One was very rich who had everything. He had sheep. He had goat. He had a number of sheep and goat. He had a palace. Uh, he could get anything at his fingertip. Uh, he had anything anybody can have. And then there was a man who only had one lamb. The man had one lamb, treated this lamb so well that the lamb ate from his table, cuddled in his breast. The lamb was all he had. All he had was one lamb, and he cherished that lamb. But the man who was rich had a celebration, and he wanted to feed his friends. And instead of getting one of his own lambs or sheep, he went and took the man who only had one. Somebody say, tell the story. And he fed his guests with the man's one lamb. Ooh, David was furious. David was furious. David said in uh, chapter 12, I think verse 7, David wanted to know who is the man. David said he should be punished. The man who lost his lamb should get at least four lambs in return from him. Who is this man? But then Nathan said to David, here are some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Elder Jeff, I preached this to the men's ministry. I preached to so many brothers all around the state on these words. Nathan, who was not afraid to speak truth to power, looked David in the eyes and said, you are that man. I need y'all to do me a favor. I need all the brothers in the church to stand up. Every man in the church, stand up. Every brother in the church, come on. Every brother in the church, stand up. Look at another brother. Look at another brother and say, don't you be that man. 
I don't. Come on, y'all, y'all got strong. Y'all sound like sopranos. Come on. I need you, I need you to use your outside voice and look at a brother and say, don't you be that man. Y'all sit down. You are that man. David, it was you who took that man's wife. He only had one, you had many. You had a palace, he had a house. He was out fighting your war and you took his wife. Slept with his wife. You impregnated his wife and then you had him murdered on the front line. David could have blown up, David could have puffed up, David could have gotten mad at Nathan. In fact, he had the power to have the prophet kill. But here's where David became David. This is why God likes David. David then immediately repented. Go to verse 13 of chapter 12. Here, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Uh, oh, I wish I had time to preach this, but I got to get out of here because I know y'all are waiting to go to here to see the football game. But look at what David said. David said, I have sinned not against Bathsheba, not against Uriah, but I have sinned against the Lord. Your mess up was not against me. You didn't let the church down. You didn't let your wife down. You let God down. Come on, somebody. I have sinned. I have sinned. Keep verse 13 on the board. But God. Somebody say, but God. God could have executed David. God could have said to Nathan right there, I'm going to kill David in seven days. But God, the end of verse 13, the Lord, <laughs> Nathan replied to David, God knows what you've done, but God is about to give you another chance. Mm. The text says, Nathan replied, said the Lord has taken away your sin you are not going to die somebody owe God a praise because it should have been another way should have been another way you should have been dead sleeping in your grave but God gave you another chance. Look at somebody and say, God said you will survive this. You will survive this. Somebody help me preach. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, I've got a story of survival. 
you don't know my story but hear me when I tell you I survived a mistake y'all got 20 seconds to get up on your feet open your mouth and give God your survivors in the house anybody know Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I can I show you something can I show you something that's incredible. Can I show you something? Go to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 26. Not only did David survive it, but I got to show them something, Elder Jeff. God could have said, you won't die, but I'm through with you. God could have said, I'll keep you alive, because I anointed you but I'm through with you but the Lord used David to keep working and David became an even mightier warrior of God the Bible says in chapter 26 and uh, chapter 12 verse 26 27 28 uh, David went to war and God used David. I need to show y'all something. Y'all won't believe it until I show it to you. I got to show it to you. Go to chapter 12, verse number 30. Chapter 12, verse number 30. After Bathsheba, after the mistake, look at somebody say, after the mistake, God could have written him off, but look at God. God used David to defeat his enemy. And verse number 30, David removed the crown of his enemies and placed the enemy's crown on his. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? After Bathsheba, God used David to defeat his enemy and took his enemy's crown and put it on. Any survivors, any survivors, I need anyone in here who's ever survived a mistake to leave your seat. Come stand at this altar. Look me in the eyes. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done.
it. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Psalms 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart and renew I survive, I survive, I survive. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor, I survive the night. Say neighbor, I survive a shipwreck. Say neighbor, I survive a mistake and I'm still here. And I owe God at least one good praise. God, at least one good praise. You owe God. It should have been another way. You owe God. Anybody don't know you survived your own mistake. And God kept blessing you. And God kept using you. Lift those hands. So David writes, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 2 Samuel 12 and 30 blew my mind. I told you I've been reading this text for a long time. And for the first time I saw this that after Bathsheba in the same chapter God uses David to not only defeat his enemy but take his enemy's crown why because here is something about David 1 Samuel chapter 14 Verse 13, I think that's it. Try to go there quickly for me. New King James Version. I want to show you something about David. My time is up. But I will first Samuel. Amen. Chapter 14. Amen. Try chapter 13 and verse 14. Chapter 13 and verse 14. I'm trying to go from memory on this, okay? Chapter 13 and verse 14. Perhaps that's where it is. Amen. Yeah. That's right. So God takes the kingdom from King Saul and he gives it to David. And here's what God says to Saul. 
about David. I haven't found this anywhere else in scripture. Listen, because God knows what you're going to do even before you do it. When God said this, he knew Bathsheba was down the road. But he says, but now, King Saul, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Go quickly to the New Living Translation upstairs. A man after his own heart. But now your kingdom must end. Saul, now your kingdom must end. 1 Samuel 13 and 14. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. You mean that adulterer? That can't be the man. You mean that murderer? <laughs> Obviously, he's talking about somebody else. No. Because with God, it really doesn't matter what you've done. Listen to this. Before you clap, it matters more who you are. <laughs> because there are a whole lot of folk who've done some bad things, but they've got good hearts. And then there are people who've done some good things with bad hearts that don't do it for the right reasons. And God says, I love David because he's a man after my own heart. The altar is open, but while we stand, I, I need to share with you these three key insights. I wish we had Tuesday night. I would take my time and share this, but I've got to get it in now. When January comes, we'll use Tuesday nights to elaborate more. Here are three things I need you to take away from today's message. Get your phone, take a picture of it. Somebody else will get it. It will be on our website. Post it and share it three key insights. Number one is this. We all make mistakes. Y'all got to help me look at somebody and say, we all make mistakes. However, it is important to acknowledge our mistakes do, and do all we can not to repeat them. God doesn't mind a mess up. He just doesn't like you keep messing up. Without, even, without any intent to get right. God doesn't mind several mess ups. As long as your heart's right and the intent is, I'm going to get up and I'm going to seek the Lord. We all make mistakes. Don't you judge that young lady who had that baby at 16. Don't you dare with your self-righteous self. Don't you judge that young man <laughs> struggle with his own personal issues. I detest preachers throwing off on young people who are struggling. <laughs> we need to throw lifelines, not hand grenades. Okay. <laughs> number two 
We must learn to forgive others for their mistakes. And perhaps what is even more important, we must forgive ourselves for the mistakes we have made. Number three, insight takeaway. We serve a forgiving God. The reason why we can forgive others and forgive ourselves is because we serve a forgiving God. Ah, y'all got to help me with this last sentence. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, for he is the God of a second chance. I like another chance because sometimes it may be a third chance and a fourth chance but he's the God of another chance. Anybody know that we serve that kind of God? Bishop Hezekiah Walker writes this incredible inspiring song. Lord I need to feel the touch your hand your will for my life I want to understand Lord forgive me like only <laughs> you can somebody lift those hands and say for you are the God of a second chance Lord I'm tired of the way that I am in your love, I want to live and stand, adhere to your every command. For you are the God Ooh. of another chance. Ooh. Yes, he is. David became the man after God's own heart with all of his mistakes with all of his mess-ups David became the greatest king of Israel can I show you how great God is so the baby that Bathsheba was pregnant from dies God says she was going to die and the text says in 2nd Samuel on the seventh day the baby dies but God does not just give up on David or Bathsheba. They have another child. My Bible scholars know where I'm going. They have a, another child. He's a son. And his name is Samuel. I'm sorry. Solomon. His name is Solomon who becomes the wisest man to ever live Ooh. Solomon becomes the successor to David you mean Bathsheba's son yes Bathsheba's son Solomon becomes the next king of Israel somebody say second chance somebody say another chance 
Come on, Regina. Come on, praise team. Another chance. There's some Solomons under the sound of my voice. There's some Davids under the sound of my voice. Ooh, ah. Yeah. You can uh, for your God of a second chance. So show me our God. All of my wrongs. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Please. my own heart <laughs> I know he has issues <laughs> I know he has a flesh problem I know that he's gonna mess up <laughs> but he's still my man 
David is my man. Why? Because David's heart's right. And God says, if your heart's right, God says, I will always stick by you because God ain't through with you yet. That's why God told me to tell every young person under the sound of my voice that God's got something even better for you. That God's going to bless you like he hasn't blessed you before. Come on, somebody, say that. You have been listening to the worship service of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, where Daryl Jackson is our pastor. Our worship services are open to all at 2440 Atlas Road, Columbia, South Carolina, just off Interstate 77 between Shop and Bluff Roads. We will continue to air our services here on the radio. We are also streaming live on our website at bwcar.org on Facebook at Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, and now on YouTube. Our streaming services are available live on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. and on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. If you missed any of our services or want to watch them again, you can get them on demand on any of our social media channels. We invite you to stay in spiritual fellowship with us. To place your order for a CD or DVD of today's sermon titled, I Survived a Mistake, please call us at 803-776-1238, reference sermon number 121723. Again, that telephone number is 803-776-1238, sermon number 121723. Sunday, December 31st, we invite you and your family to join us for the last Sunday morning service of the year. Services will be held at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in the Worship Center. And we encourage you to return for our annual watch night service on Sunday evening, December 31st. Doors open at 10 p.m. We praise God for the testimonies of those who have received Christ and now have a deeper relationship with God as a result of this ministry. To sow a financial seed into this ministry, you can give online by clicking the link on our website at bwcar.org or you can give right from your mobile phone by texting BWCAR and your giving amount to the number 73256. You can also mail your gift to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road Post Office Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations are being accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. We thank you for your continued support of this ministry. At Bible Way, our mission is to know God, to love, and to serve.